We changing the game on the name, put respect. Uncle Dad talks, yeah, live and direct. What did you expect from the two fly guys? One love Kevin Smith, one of more's golden eye. Mike's the level-headed, baby gave edits. Uncle Dad gets nervous all the time, but to his credit, he's clever. Spring stuff on Mike on a daily. It can mangle up a name amazingly. The range of events and topics makes it hard to stop listening. So why even attempt it? From bare knuckle fighting to Grammy songwriting to Burning Man flames. To a fight a video game. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Uncle Dad Talks. I'm Uncle Dad, and with me as always is the ever so terrifyingly handsome Mike Hampton. Mike, what's up? Can I can I hear your schmiegel? Do you have a good schmiegel? My precious. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't know you could do a good schmiegel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't even talk now. And I do like that a lot, yes. Uh now with my co-host Schmiegel. <laughs> um, <laughs> um yes, we are here for Part two of Hulu's bite-sized Halloween. Uh, th- th- again, uh, it's, I can't honestly. I'm very excited to kind of like wrap this up because this this has honestly been such a great experience. These in- these interviews were great, um, Mike. I'm sure you agree. It was definitely something new for both of us. We've never really done something like this before. I hope I hope the listeners all love it. And if you don't love it, don't tell us. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, don't tell. Yeah, don't tell us. Uh, but before we dive into all that, of course, we've got to pay the bills. And how we pay the bills, talk about our sponsor, Clandestine Brewing. So, Mike, give him a big thank you. Yeah, thank you, Clandestine Brewing, for allowing us and having us to uh, host our booze and brews party. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, I got way too drunk, as I usually do when we have an event at uh, Clandestine, because beer is just so good. I just can't help myself. So but good. Thanks to all who came out. Thanks to Mike, Vaughn. Thanks to Imanic. Of course, thanks to Buku for rocking it. Uncle Dad, thank you for coming way out. Uh, the party. <laughs> way out. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a great time. It was a great time indeed. And of course, if you ever want to go try their beers, if you weren't able to make it, go to Clandestine Brewing in San Jose, California. Do a quick little Google search uh, or follow them on my Instagram at Clandestine Brewing. Uh, you can find them. They seriously have some of the best beers in the South Bay. And uh, I just can't recommend them enough. So thank you for allowing us to throw this party. And let me tell you, you guys don't know, but Mike got fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it was, I was totally inappropriate. That's the, that's why he became Schmeagle. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I was Schmeagle for the party. <laughs> you should have seen it. Well, you should have seen it. You should have been there. And see the next party you don't want to miss because he's going to bring Schmeagle back. So yeah. you got to be there. So be sure to come to the next party. So uh, with, that, with that out the way, Mike, uh, we are here at the end of our, our Hulu uh, Bite Size Halloween coverage uh, what, honestly, this journey of all these interviews has been probably one of the craziest things I think we've done as far as the consistency and the quickness of it all. Um, I think the feedback we're going to get from all this is going to be good. I think the movies – What I really, I think what I really liked about these interviews, Mike, and tell me how you feel, is each filmmaker was so passionate about their project in a way of that they didn't feel like we were talking to people who made something for Hulu, right? They, made, they felt like just you and I kind of thing. What do you think? Yeah, everyone – I mean – each person's very unique in their own artistic way, um, all with different messages. 
that there, you know, some of them had deeper meanings within the films. Some of it was just, I want to make a fun movie, a, a film about this. So yeah, it was, it was really great that, that everyone kind of had the freedom to do what they wanted to do. Um, and then have it on a platform as big as Hulu. So, uh, yeah. And then everyone seemed very open in, in explaining their process and, and, and kind of diving in a little deeper below the surface with us. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that like wholeheartedly. And you could feel that, you know, when you're talking to people who are passionate, I mean, you know, we just, we say this all the time, they, they, it comes out in a way that it just, it's, it's unparalleled to any other conversation you can have, right? When you're passionate, it comes out and it's just, it's just beautiful. Uh, so with, with this coming to an end, uh, we do want to thank uh, Hulu for allowing us to do this. Obviously, the Walt Disney Company as well for allowing us to do this, 20th Digital. Uh, big shout out to Emma PR for helping us uh, do all this and allow us to be a part of this, really. I mean, without her, we wouldn't even be doing this. So thank you, Emma of uh, uh, Emma PR. That's right. And, uh, and yeah, it, it's, it's been such a great experience to, uh, to watch the films and uh, – talk about them with the people who are creating them. And also then I get to go watch them again as my, on my Hulu subscription that I pay for. So it's all a big circle. <laughs> Great old big circle. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, now, so today's interviews are going to be featuring the following films. Fracture. Uh, uh, man, I want to say this right, wrong. Nazu. Uh, Nazu? Nazu? Is that right, Mike? Nazu. Nazu. Uh, and I'm not even going to mention it, say his name because I know I'm going to ruin it. But I think it's Concian Morgan. I think you did it right. Uh, okay, good. Uh, Bug, uh, featuring uh, directed by Coral Amiga and Nicole Hartley. Angels by Samantha Aldana. Incomplete by Zoe Martinson. Uh, again, if you don't know what Bite Size Halloween is, please listen to our previous episode uh, to get the the first five filmmakers. Uh, because everybody who is involved in this project is either uh, BIPOC, uh, a woman, or from the LGBTQIA community. Community, so it's full of diversity, and it's just great getting this platform for all these different diverse stories to be told. And I think big shout out to Hulu for doing that because I think more more brands need to do that, especially for horror. I mean, horror is like one of the most universal languages out there in film. I think. Totally. And, and, and it's, it's nice to, to give people, you know, people a platform that's, let's be honest, has been generally run by people like me, a bunch of white dudes, a bunch <laughs> yes, of middle-aged white of, dudes. A bunch of middle-aged white dudes, so, all named Mike. Yeah. So there it is. <laughs> there it is. Uh, yeah. So please uh, also go support all these filmmakers. Uh, what we're going to do is at the end of this uh, at the end of this whole entire production, I'm gonna list off all the social media profiles of everybody. Please go follow them, support them. We'd appreciate that. And of course, follow us as well at Uncle Dad Talks and Mike Hampton Art. Uh, again, Mike, thank you. Uh, I'm excited for everyone to listen to this. And uh, yeah, everybody, that's it for our Halloween month. Our our because this is coming out on Halloween weekend. So happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. <laughs> we like that. We'll see y'all next week. <laughs>
<laughs> My name is Mike. This is Uncle Dad. And uh, first, I want to say your film, your short film, Fracture, uh, which we watched, was the first one of all the Hulu bite-sized short films we watched that actually had a had a sci-fi aspect to it. You know, they're all horrors. This was the first horror sci-fi. That being said, in the intro, the, the beginning of the film, I have to ask you just because I'm also a sci-fi nerd. The the opening scene reminded me a lot of Star Wars Force Awakens, where Luke's hiding out, being a hermit, and then there were two two moons. So I'm wondering if there's a little bit of Star Wars influence in you in your system here. Okay, so you're not the first person to say this uh, okay. and wonder about this, uh, but there isn't a lot of Star Wars in me. <laughs> the force um, is not in you. <laughs> the, the force is over there. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, no, I really, I totally respect Star Wars. Uh, I definitely felt like we wanted otherworldliness, uh, and there's not a lot of huge, big cinematic examples of otherworldliness that feel natural. And so I think that there's like, a, of course, we then um, pay homage to Star Wars accidentally. Um, but kind of glad that people are like feeling the layering of it because the intention of the opening is to make you believe that you're about to watch a sci-fi on another planet and then pull the rug out from under you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you did an excellent job of it and, and the cinematography is great. And, oh, beautiful. You know, yes. All the layering. Yeah. So, so very well done there. Um, and, but are you a, are you a sci-fi fan at all? Uh, yeah. yeah, so <laughs> it's just weird. I mean, you asked me about Star Wars and what happened with me is I'm from a generation that didn't get the remastered Star Wars yet. And I was already a kid watching Star Trek The Next Generation. And so when I saw it, I was like, but on TV is better, mom. So I kind of became a Trekkie, Trekker, however you would categorize the, the fandom. And I just sort of kind of chose a side, but I love sci-fi. I mean, a lot of my influences, especially for Fracture, have uh, to do with things like Black Mirror, um, Twilight Zone, uh, we're talking about, um, uh, you know, especially with the other worldliness, um, you're talking about like a maybe a little bit of Star Wars, but not intentionally, but anything that's off planet, um, you know, even the sort of Scottish sounding, you know, uh, AI alarming, uh, announcing the emergency in the beginning is kind of like my version of Friday from Iron Man. So like, so it's, it's, I'm pulling from a lot of things that give me joy uh, in order to sort of like make this statement and make this film. Uh, but yes, um, if you want to quiz me on something sci-fi, I'm, I'm game. Well, I don't, I don't want to quiz you on that, but but I have something okay. to say, and hope, hopefully you take this as a compliment. So one of the things I yeah. thought of right away when I saw the intro is that the way it feels and the way we get leading up to the main you know reveal of our of our character right is that it makes me think of the last sequence of Gravity starring Sandra Bullock. Where uh -huh. she, yeah, where you know, where she is now at this yep. planet, wakes up, and the question is, what's next, right? But that's how it ends. Yeah. Your yeah. film starts off with that same feeling, and then it's, well, what's next? But well, we're going to find out. 
And I think mm -hmm. that is such genius when you play with visual elements like that and then deliver it in the way that you did. So if that's worth anything, it's just, it's great. It's up to that part. <laughs> I, I'll take any comparison to Gravity as a compliment. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. Probably one of the best sci-fi movies ever created. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I was reading a little bit about you and uh, saw that you had a, a year internship with SNL. And, and I'm wondering if, if being in that environment helped you craft your your the way that you write for a short film like because those skits and, and the way snl is so quick and fast right yeah yeah so interestingly enough i mean i've always been a pretty fast writer and rewriter uh but uh snl was a whole different ball game in terms of output and you know we shot this film in two days right so oh. i don't think that would be at all possible without the kind of like immense pressure the gauntlet that snl is in trying to produce a show each week in four days um it was a total like game changer and i think what was kind of it was a struggle for me when i got to because we had the privilege of shooting in scotland uh when i got to scotland where things are much slower <laughs> i was like uh uh, guys, we, <laughs> we gotta hurry up a bit. But I realized it's just because my idea of speed, because of SNL, is so hyperbolic that you know, me doing a rewrite in like three hours or or something like that is like standard there, right? In terms of speed, but not really standard when it comes to like making sure with people in a different country. Um, so it was a little bit of a double-edged sword, but I don't. I, don't think without that kind of experience, I would have been able to make the like the sheet work. Yeah, well, I mean, you did a great job, and, and I mean, to shoot on location in Scotland is is amazing, right? Because it's a beautiful mm -hmm. part of the world, and uh, yeah. and it is interesting to see how how fast paced things are in general in other parts of the world compared to to here in the states. Um, yeah, and also like, uh, I mean, the content of what of what. You know, I don't want to give too much away here, but like your the content of what the character is, is is kind of dealing with is something that we deal with, you know, heavily here in the States. And, and mm -hmm. you know, um, and you and you recalled in the film, there's a there's a there's a call to the year 2020, which obviously the whole world was going through a lot. But we in the States here are also going through a lot with with, the, with George Floyd and all of the all of the repercussions that that happened because of that incident and um and so how was that for you to like it's it's you're bringing in sci-fi there's a, there's a horror aspect to it because you don't know what side is what to believe and then there's also this you know you're talking about the racial injustice and, and what it's like to be to be a person who feels like he doesn't belong anywhere and so maybe he has to create his own space um mm -hmm. so yeah so i guess like what 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 was your writing process like like to to bring all that together yeah well thank you for asking that and thank you for pointing out those things too because it's the thing that you know i've been saying to people uh there was a lot of love for the idea of the script at 20th digital a lot of love for the idea of the script on the ground in scotland and i don't think i would have attracted the talent that I was able to attract to the project if people weren't so passionate about helping that 
particular story be told. Um, and it was interesting for me because, um, you know, and I maybe don't want to give too much away either, but the, the larger story, which is more of a feature length story, um, I took the essence of that story and kind of made it into a short that felt uh, somewhat mysterious, somewhat poetic. Um, and, but the idea really is to take a, a feature length film and really ground you in someone who we believe is on another planet and then have this event happen and then things change and you go back and forth between these two environments and you're trying to decide what's real. And I think one, it's a metaphor for the cognitive dissonance that occurs when you are walking around with black skin. Does this, is this a threat? Your threat assessment is on high. Um, is it that you are misinterpreting something? There's always that internal dialogue when you're in this skin walking through the world that we built this way and on top of that you know you've got this sort of metaphor for you know personal ambition and uh, greatness uh, that is aspirational um, even for black people right but then have a whole society tell you that you're less than that right like so it really is about negotiating the systems that try to uh, constrict and constrain. So from one point of view, you've got the doctor kind of obviously operating as a representative of a system that doesn't trust in Marcus's greatness. Um, and then you've got uh, a person who is gaslit into thinking that they're not... Um, off on another planet doing something great for the furthering of humanity and instead they're just a victim um so it there's a lot, <laughs> to, a lot of layers that goes in, into this that in the essence of it is there in the short but obviously something that could be expanded um and some something that's future length and still maintain its you know poetry and still maintain the like sci-fi element of it um and still the psychological horror of it right because i think the horror really is about whether or not you can trust yourself yeah i mean that i would love to see it developed into a, a full-length feature i mean it's it, it's it's a way of saying a lot of things that need to be said and and sometimes the way people get those is through being entertained right mm -hmm, like you can't just mm -hmm. hit them over the head yelling yeah, and screaming absolutely. the words it, it has to kind of come through almost like as a secret message through entertainment yeah. especially here in the states i mean we just we love to be entertained i mean that's yep. that's what we do um <laughs> but uh, i mean you do you do a great job of that and, and even there's a there's a scene where the character the main character turns around and looks and he's by himself in this room sitting on a bed and even just that look of, of, of being unsure, uh, it really hit me. It, it, I don't know how, like how in depth that you went into to making that scene, have that feeling. But for me, that, that was a scary feeling of just not being sure of yourself on all those different levels and then being, being alone with it. Uh, it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the idea in the short really, especially 
encompassing that moment is that there is a fracture, right? That again, in a long-term kind of storytelling format, you were, you're able to see like, this is one definitive environment. This is another definitive environment. And then gradually have them bleed into each other in a way where you're unsure, right? And then, uh, but with the short, you, there's a moment, you know, like uh, they're by the window and, and the doctor says something to him, like, here's your prognosis, right? You're experiencing this because of this reason, right? And in his mind, he travels to seeing these things and remembering these things. And by the time he comes back, he's equipped with the certainty, right? That, no, I, I understand who I am. And there's nothing you can tell me that will change that. And then when you bring out the deep, the evidence of the deepest traumas, you are thinking like, Oh, did did I do this? Is is it something I actually made up in order to survive? Um, and you, when you turn around and see that you're alone, it really now he's left with the decision, right? That it isn't anymore up to someone else to convince you. Now you have what you think is the information. What are you going to do with that information? And. Uh, we see what he does with that information, right? So, um, you know, and you make a choice. Um, and uh, I think you've got to sometimes, in order to cope, people need to make choices that to others seem delusional. Uh, but when they're safe, that's better than reality. And that, when you said all that, it's triggering a lot of different feelings for me right now. And yeah, that movie so that movie creates a conversation like that that some of the best movies can do. And so, thank you for doing that and allowing oh, us you. to have that conversation. Uh, I know we have to wrap up here, but I have to ask you one last question that I've been asking everybody: yeah. is what is your favorite horror movie of all time? Whew. Favorite is hard, but one I will probably never ever get tired of watching is Alien. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, I know people, you know, in terms of horror, it's not like slashers, not whatever, but this, the, it's like still the most terrifying thing ever. Uh, and it creates that isolation oh, yeah. horror that is just like so great. And then you have like a kick ass heroine. So like, I, it's got to be alien. It's mm. probably, probably one of the most perfect sci fi horror movies of all time, I would say. So yeah. great, great yeah. call. Uh, and then one last thing, where can our audience learn more about you and connect with you at all? Um, well, you can follow me on Instagram at John K. Jones, no H, so J-O-N-K Jones. Um, and then I think that's where most of the announcements to keep up with me are going to be made uh, until further notice. Awesome. John, thank you so much for your movie. Thank you so much for thank what you're you doing. Thank you for the passion. Your passion is clearly on the screen. Uh, the message you're saying is on the screen. And I cannot tell our audience enough. Please, please go check this film out. Uh, it is totally worth the 10, 15 minutes. It's absolutely incredible. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you guys watching it. Of course. Yeah, thanks, John. Take care. Bye, guys. All right, Mr. Uh, Morgan, I want to make sure I pronounce your name correctly. How did you pronounce your first name? Concian. Uh, Concian, that's a beautiful name, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's so beautiful. Sorry, it's such a dope name. 
Uh, I'm jealous. Uh, yeah, so we're here to talk to you about your film. Uh, I have to tell you, man, it's one of the most powerful films in the, in the whole anthology series. It's so well done. What, what I truly like about it is that it dives into, uh, you know, a very cultural topic. And we kind of wanted to talk to you about that. So before we kind of really get into that, kind of like, how did we get to the story that we're in now? Like, what, what led to you sure. to develop this story uh, that sure. was on screen? Sure, sure. Um... So uh, the, the sort of the initial seed, the idea was um, the, I wanted to tell a story around uh, sounds, um, but I wanted to tell it a little different. I'm sort of we're all familiar with the kind of Ouija board type stuff, and I wanted to sort of attack it a different way with a bit more of a, a different cultural influence. I'm half Nigerian, so for me that made sense to sort of lean into that kind of area of thing. So. Um, we're down the rabbit hole of kind of researching what kind of different cultural practices and spiritual practices there are in Nigeria. And, and it turns out that in the southern part of Nigeria, there's a certain group um, of individuals, they use um, uh, en enzu, the chalk, white chalk, to communicate with the dead. So with certain members of society, sort of the higher kind of priestess kind of thing, you would go to them and, you know, they would do the chalk around, draw around their eyes or on the floor and communicate with the dead. And, and spirits in the other world. Um, and so I thought that was a really interesting thing. I, I haven't seen that anywhere. So I thought, okay, that's really cool. Let's try and integrate that into into the, the, the seance. So I kind of had those two pieces um, in terms of story and sort of finally, um, it was kind of thinking about a theme, you know, what, what, what are we saying now really? I mean, what, you know, just, just, um, obviously it's part of the story. And um, I spent some time, quite some time reading upon different ways I could tackle it and the thing I kind of stumbled upon was the, the topic around slave operation um, and there's some really strong ideas on both sides of the camp in terms of uh, whether we should or should not and I used those two arguments really to kind of base the story in terms of the, 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 the thematic purpose or theme what you want to call it between between the characters in the film and so um, that was the beginning of it. And then um, uh, we had some discussions with uh, Elizabeth at, at 28th Digital, uh, trying to understand, and the rest of the guys there, and RB, and trying to understand, you know, what, well, we pitched a couple of ideas, but Enzu was the one that I think for them felt the most relevant and the most different, and they were, they were right. And so um, from that perspective, we sort of went away and sort of, I did a draft, gave it to Will, Will did a draft, and we kind of, to it and throw in to a point where we were happy with the final version. Um, and it was quite quick and they sort of green lit it and then we moved into production. I mean, the, the final product is truly something, it's incredible because it's such a, it, it's so visually well shot and you know, the story you're telling is is so, it's so deep and, and, and relative to today. And it, it's, it's just, yeah, it's such so well done. I know Mike had some things uh, to say about that as well. No, I appreciate it. I, I, would, I think the, I, I do try, I, one of the things I do try in my stories is I really do try and get that without spoon feeding messages, because that's boring. No one wants to be told any way to think, right? But it's kind of like what I will always try to do is in some way at least present two really strong arguments in a story or at least give it a way of the audience being moved emotionally. Those are the two things I really kind of want to get across. Yeah, we were speaking to uh, someone else that's also doing the Hulu, uh, the snack, and uh, it's kind of a, a similar theme of you can't knock someone over the head with, with a message or, or like a belief or whatever it is, right? You kind of have to in, include it in into a story 
integrate it in a way where it's it's people can find their own meaning out of it rather than being told this is the way right and so i i watched that and and the the flashback scenes are, are very very intense you know you only see them for a, a second yeah. um but but they're very impactful and and the way you know without giving too much of the story away the 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 guy's reaction to to what he's seeing and his defensiveness that pops up um there's a, i know that there's a lot of uh ancestral healing um work that is done specifically in different parts of africa and uh, i live in near the bay area and there's lots of uh not crossover but but lots of different cultures are are mashed up here in the in the san francisco bay area and i know uh there's a there's a certain ceremonial way of of looking back to your furthest ancestor that you can kind of spiritually reach and doing some healing work to them to the next ancestor to the next basically all the way up to yourself to kind of heal that trauma and pain and that's what i saw when i was looking at you know what the guy's reaction and and it you know speaking this is a horror film but it's also terrifying to to look at your trauma and in the past because yeah, most people yeah. we don't want to look at it right so that sometimes that's the most terrifying horrific thing you can even see yeah yeah i couldn't i mean you've hit the nail on the head i mean i'm a very very spiritual individual you know i do a lot of kind of um i've done my own work as it were you know yeah. in the work stuff and kind of you know i've gone through a lot of journeys and experimented and done certain stuff that kind of you know allows you to kind of understand certain things so i think i think drawing on that was this definitely there you know it's because it's e i didn't want to sort of give an evil representation of anything in here because i think that's not wasn't the point of the story and you're absolutely right hamish is ultimately doing some inner work <laughs> in this in this piece you know and it kind of and and you know and it isn't and it isn't it's an uncomfortable experience right and obviously you know the creative license to make it a little more uncomfortable than it should be but um that's kind of i'm glad you you read read into that because that's obviously something that's was supposed to come across quite strongly yeah i know you did a great job of of, of bringing that in uh also done journey work and and a lot of personal work myself so i was able to, to pick up on that um you did a great job and also, you know, I looked a little bit at your uh, at your website and some of your other work, and, and I see you, you've you've won some awards for your previous works. And I, I just I feel like, do you think that part of what contributes to your success is that you bring in things like 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 this, where it's where people can kind of connect to it in a different way, other than just you know your average horror movie. Someone's chasing someone with a chainsaw, and it's scary, and, and maybe they have a crazy past, and that's why they're a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> but these are like real themes that we yeah. all as humans deal with and i think that's yeah. probably why people connect to it in that strong way yeah yeah no for sure i think i mean i've never really been i mean i love the horror genre right but a certain kind of cohort of films so i tend to sort of gravitate towards more i don't want to use i hate people hate the word elevated horror but you know what i was going to say the kind of stories <laughs> that you know, there's an argument about that now and stuff but ultimately yeah. you know i suppose a good story right and ultimately like for me that comes first the horror in well, have to has to come second um to a certain to a certain part but um um to to answer to sort of develop that a little more i would say that um most of my stories involve anti-hero-ish type characters 
So I think, you know, for me, I'm drawn to characters that are fundamentally broken because um, I think that's, you know, the good guy that does well. I'm not really interested in telling those stories. Um, it's kind of, like you said, it's looking at a character study without it being boring or whatever have you and kind of saying, OK, cool, this individual feels this way, was doing these things. And it's not so much, I wouldn't say this is so much in this one. So my other work is a bit more that sort of more more time frame to expand on that i only have eight minutes in this to kind of do it but equally you're absolutely right i think i those are stories that i would basically watch mike right those are the things that i enjoy and so that's what i'd make i i you know that's i wouldn't make something other any other than that yeah I, I love that so much because i feel like that's the that's one of the greatest keys to great filmmaking right is making something that is a representation of you whether it's something that you would watch, whether it's a piece of you that you would show, and you can see that completely, you know, in in the film, there is a vulnerability there, which probably speaks to something that we, you know, either you or someone you know has dealt with, right? And it's yeah, sure. uh, yeah. that's such a beautiful thing to see on on, on film, uh, mm -hmm. and so I think you achieved that. And another thing that I think you achieved is that in this film, I believe it's probably the what has some of the best quotes out of the series, out of the entire uh, the, this year's. I know Will's going to be Will's going to be. <laughs> I mean, I, I have to say, the, the, the you know, the line of, you know, what is it? Uh, Mike, refresh my memory? I'm sorry. It's uh, so at the beginning. Are we talking about where he goes, you can't look forward to back? Was it Hamish, Dr. Obar? Is it when you look harder? No, it's my favorite. Oh, go ahead, Mike. What, one, someone who is in a hurry is usually late. And that one that was hitting me and Mike very heavily today. So like but it but it hits us heavily in life in general. And I think that theme is just so like because it, it transcends time. Like we you know, we all deal with that, right? We all deal with that ability. And so I just when you when I that line pops up, like my heart dropped because I was like, holy, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. No, I mean yeah. I'm glad it, it kind of um, it resonated, and also I think the actors, you know, if they weren't on money, kind of some of that wouldn't have landed as well, right? So you know, they kind of they they really did a good job in kind of um, delivering and making sure that it was not only believable but convincing. Like you know, you convinced it was coming from them, right, and it wasn't just being yeah. said. Yeah, they speak it very truthfully, right? So, so yeah, and that's, yeah, and, and, and so then it resonates with you because you know equally it could be someone else that says it, and it's kind of like I'm not sure I feel what you're saying, and it kind of yeah. ruins the message. Uh, absolutely, uh, we do have to wrap up here, but uh, Mike, do you have any any other question, real quick? Yeah, I was just going to say um, when you do a short a shorter film like this, is your approach much different from from any other writing, or do you just tackle it in the same way? and then just trust in the in your creative process i will so in general i know there's a school of thought that says shorts should only be first and second act or whatever have you it doesn't have to be this i don't really subscribe to that for me it's very much i'm telling story has to have all the key elements in it in order for it whether it's three minutes although three minutes i'll be challenged <laughs> but you know ultimately that you know with, with the irrespective of, of time for me I will always make sure that I've got the key kind of components of the story there because that's the story for storytelling. Right. Very well said. Very well. Yeah, very well said. And my last question to you is, I've been asking everybody this, what is your favorite horror movie of all time? Can I give, can I give you four? You give, yeah, please. Please do. Yeah, okay, cool. I'll write it quickly. So uh, in order of production, I suppose. So Aliens was one of my favorite horror films as a kid. 
Um, I really enjoyed that James Cameron extravaganza. Um, uh, then um, Event Horizon, I was really taken Ooh. by sort of that spaceship, yeah. claustrophobic feel. Too sci-fi actually, Lawrence, it's really nice. Um, and more recently, um, I think the ones are kind of, um, that I would say, comparable to my kind of storytelling obviously is um, Let the Right One In, the original Swedish version. Oh, hell yeah. And and, <laughs> and 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 hereditary. Yes, I'm a, I'm a huge Ari Aster fan. So producer here, um, just I like the movie. I like the movie. It was great. It was actually the best. The, the ending I was uncomfortable with, but the in general the film, I think it was it was he did an amazing job. Amazing. It's, it's it's. I think that's what we all aspire to see in horror nowadays, right? Is that like it's kind of what yeah. you're saying is that elevated aspect of things, you know? Because it is very. Yeah elevated in a way that i mean midsummer is just as amazing too and it's just yeah yeah thank you for saying that that hell yeah that just made me so excited <laughs> awesome thank you so much for your time we absolutely no it's been such a pleasure uh we no wish you nothing but the best of luck take care okay yeah cheers man take care Good. see you bye. take care cheers thanks bye All right, uh, Uncle Dad here with Mike. We are with the, the ever so lovely Samantha Aldana, who made an incredible sci-fi horror film, right? That's clear, right? Uh, yeah. Called called Angels for Bite Size Halloween. Uh, so the, my first question right away is, what is the journey that takes us to get this movie? How do you make this happen? Oh, um, yeah. So we uh, we heard about the bite size. Uh, Halloween program earlier this year, my story partner and I, uh, Persons Trusted, just came up with five ideas and <laughs> pitched it, uh, pitched them all, and they chose angels and cut to, you know, this week of sharing it with everybody on Hulu. It's, it's been a quick ride, but it's been really fun. Angels, aliens, we always kind of wonder what they would do when they actually come, right? Um, and so I don't want to give too much away, um, but I think a lot of times we always assume that they would they, that they would do the worst, right? Like, is that maybe human nature? Like if something's coming from another place, the unknown, that the worst is going to happen. But we also uh, portray angels in the biblical sense as looking like just like us, except with big wings floating on our back. So. Maybe they're not actually what we perceive them to be. I don't, is that kind of your thought? Anywhere close to your thought process in this? Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I mean, there are lots of really interesting things in that thought. Um, you know, I think for one, it's, yeah, a lot of people assume it's a, the unknown or the supernatural is what's dangerous and scary. But, you know, are, are is it that way or, or are we scarier? You know, are we capable of evil things in the same way that we're afraid something that we don't know could be. So I think that that's like a theme that I'm really interested in as I tell stories about uh, monsters and magic and, um, you know, all of these otherworldly aspects that interrupt realities, I think that I, I'm most compelled by like, let's flip it on its head. Like maybe it's not what we expect and maybe the hero isn't who you think, or maybe it's just challenges kind of the classical approach. Um, so. I think there's that and then also um to like the representation of angels and like what that even means you know i think like angels like in the bible are described you know 
it, it, I don't know if you've ever seen like artwork of, of people like illustri- illustrating these descriptions, but they, they can come out horrific. You know, it just sort of, um, you know, we, we, I think we've put the wings on like kind of in red and like distance to the original text of like what that, um, you know, like having like billions of eyes and um, like no faces. And, you know, it's like, they're very like scary um, descriptions. And so I just, I love that ambiguity and I love, um, you know, I, I grew up like super, like in a very religious family. And I think that I just always been really compelled by like why people believe certain things and why other things are like, why is mythology mythology? And then like, by the Bible, like a religion that you believe in. So I, I, I wanted to tap into all of that with angels and really, um, you know, ask a lot of questions that hopefully like engaged folks in a way that they might be surprised. Yeah. And I think it, I think it does make you ask a lot of questions to yourself. I mean, cause I was even almost taking it to like, is this aspect of everything almost a metaphor to the universe? Like the universe is giving you what you need but are you taking it from the universe? And is that a fair trade? What What is the universe? You know, we don't really know what the universe is capable of. And so there's such you know, ambiguity and everything. And it does make you question a lot of thoughts. And what I really enjoyed about it was that, well, actually, one of my favorite things about it, to be honest with you, is I love the makeup design of, of the alien itself. So I actually kind of wanted to ask you, like, who de- who designed that? Was it an original design? Or, you know, was that what you intended for it to look like in your head? Yeah, so we had a really uh, incredible special effects team. We had um, Bill Stuparo and uh, Johnny Bullard based out of New Orleans. And um, we, yeah, we it all sort of came together very quickly. I mean, the whole, there's a very short production timeline. So yeah, they really um, just came on and made magic happen on the day. Um, you know, they showed up four hours before everybody to get that makeup on. Oh, yeah. It was, everybody was a, a trooper for sure, but I'm so happy how it came out. And I really love doing practical effects. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it just adds this like really nice texture. And yeah, and then Jupiter brought it to life um, in, in a way that was really exciting too. Yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, for creative minds and artists, having that, that very close timeline, uh, deadline, I should say, almost creates something better that that's like we need that pressure to really to create because when there's too much time we get laxidacious and then i don't know maybe maybe (laughs) didn't come out like we we could have done when we had all that time so i i I do i do understand that and also (laughs) i did see you're from new orleans which i'm also from new orleans originally Uh, how much of how much of being in that city inspires your creativeness Oh, so I mean, a hundred percent. I um, <laughs> New Orleans is is a magical place, and so it's really cool to write and develop fantasy and fun horror ideas. Um, I've recently relocated to LA, but um, I think almost everything that I want to make it brings me back there. So uh, we actually we shot Angels out right outside of New Orleans in Picayune, uh, Mississippi, where I grew up. Um, so that was also really special to get to be back in my hometown making something, which I haven't done since I was a teenager. So that's cool. That's so awesome. I, I love it. I love that all these films have such a special energy, and yours is included. It's like that you can feel the heart in it, and every single one of them. And it's such 
it's just so great. You don't get that in movies too often anymore. And that magic is so, so much there. So I have to ask you, what does horror mean to you? Hmm. I think that horror is like, for me, it's a way to just, it's another way to articulate expression mm-hmm. and to talk about things that are, um, that I find more challenging to be direct about. It's why I love fiction, really. It's, it's, it's all coming from a place of truth and reality, but it's somehow easier to process for, for me um, as a storyteller and to do it through a lens of horror and 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 fantasy. And I think, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's like almost like a, like a mask um, mm-hmm. where like I can put on this scary mask and like it makes it easier to say what I want to say and to explore yeah. the things and questions that I have. Um, but it's, you know, through this layer, this veil of some sort. <laughs> it's, that, that's just so well said because I think the nicest people in the world are usually horror fans. I mean, really they are. And I think it's because it's, it's, to me, horror is such a great, I don't want to say coping mechanism, but it is a way to cope with realities of life or or get the way that you, or maybe see something and help you understand it. And in a, in a, like you said, in, like almost in a mask way. Like for me, you know, I had dealt with depression. So horror really helped me kind of get through that. So I, I, I love I, that answer is just so, it means a lot to me. So thank you for that. Thank you, seriously. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy the analogy of, of wearing a mask or, uh, over your head to kind of let the, the other stuff come out that otherwise might not. And also, also love the, the reference to the mask coming from New Orleans because you've got the Mardi Gras mask, you've got the, the voodoo mask. There's so much culture that it's that's meshed in together there. And I, I feel a, a similar way anytime I go back to that city, feeling way creatively inspired. Um, and uh, and also my 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 stomach feels inspired as well when I'm there. Um, but, uh, you know, and I, I also saw that you had a, a movie screened at Comic, screened at Comic-Con. How was that? Uh, how was that for you? Yeah, it was a blast. Um, yeah, that was a short film called The Melancholy Man that um, I made a few years ago with the same, uh, same cinematographer, uh, Nick Shamblatt, who shot Angels, shot Melancholy Man, also our wardrobe stylist um bijou coats she also worked on that so yeah we we made that film and um yeah, it was my first time getting to experience comic-con and um just a blast mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah the cinematography by the way in angels is great it some of the scenes and uh, kind of remind me of the movie signs um which is one of my favorite i, I love a lot of in night Shyamalan's movies and uh Anyways, I, I, it reminded me of that, which is, is a very good thing, I, I would say. Yeah. Amazing. That was a big inspiration for us. So I'm happy with that. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Samantha. We truly appreciate it. And we wish you nothing but success. And just, again, thank you again for your time. Yeah, yeah thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you.
All right. Hey, what's going on? Uh, Uncle Dad here, uh, hanging out with two very talented young female film, filmmaker. Film, ah, oh my God, I'm so excited I came to talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, normally, I have another half with me, but he is uh, taking oh. a hiatus right now this time, but he's going to come back later on. But what we wanted to talk about, about your guys' film, Bug, uh, it is such a... So I guess I'm going to just say right right away, why is it that kids are terrifying? Right. They are. We don't have them. They're like, they are. <laughs> it's it's, yeah. like, it's insane, right? Like, why are kids terrifying? So it's I'm curious. Because, it's because of their, the innocence, I think. There's just something disarming about, like, yeah, cute kids or cute animals. That is and they're unfiltered. Kids often say or do things that as adults, you you start, you know, you, you as you get older, you have a filter on you. You have, like, normal, normal society putting um, certain barriers or, like, you know, ways of how what we say or what we do and and kids you know without that uh can sort of do anything yeah and, uh, they're kind of a blank slate aren't they that you can kind of project your ideas onto so i think yeah all of those things but mainly yeah they're just really creepy, creepy. <laughs> that's just the main the main fact is that they're creepy i like it <laughs> uh, so I, I i am curious like how did the journey what, what what was the journey that led to creating this uh very great uh short film Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it's actually based on a, a real news story um, that we had seen, I think like a couple of years ago now, but it was in Japan, about these parents who, very similar story, but they were driving through a forest and their son was misbehaving, throwing rocks at passing cars, and um, they kicked him out momentarily, went missing for, um, for a week. And yeah, it was a very, we were very intrigued by the kind of controversy that surrounded this story um, and a lot of people debating about the parents shouldn't, you know, it was wrong that they left them. No, the kid was misbehaving, you know, but mainly we, the hook that we really liked about it was that they, you know, that you make the split second decision when you're feeling a lot of emotions, you know, the, the red mist is descending and how everything can change after that. And nothing is the same again, even though it was just a momentary thing. Um, and we've always loved stories that sort of explore that. So, yeah, we, we felt like this was a great starting point for a horror. I mean, like you already said, child, creepy, forest, creepy, driving yes. alone, creepy. So we, we were like, I, th I think there's something here. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think with, uh, to your point right now, you talking about the forest, that was the next thing. So my co-host Mike wanted me to mention something is that we noticed that it felt like the nature almost becomes this, you know, inherent villain, even though maybe that wasn't the intention, but it does seem to kind of give that vibe because once she stepped into that forest and now feels like there's something else at play. Do you feel that nature is just, you know, it just automatically feels just as terrifying as, you know, it would in normal life? Um. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really great that that's the sort of like via the, you know, the energy you got from that, because for us, the, the the that was like a world shift, you know, when she moves into the forest and we wanted to change how it was how we started to shoot it and like the visual language that we'd set up, um, because that was such a key part of the the sort of sense of claustrophobia, the horror, like the slow tension building and this very, you know, ominous space that she was moving into that just continued to ratchet up the tension so in terms of like we had that pretty clearly mapped out in terms of like the different shots and when we found the location we were like i mean this yeah <laughs> uh this is perfect creepy as hell sort of 
own had it so everything was very angular um and because we didn't have you know we weren't playing with jump scares or monsters really until that end moment we needed it to feel like you know that was so key to the to the audience feeling something really visceral yeah and i feel like too uh you know the performances that will also add to that visceralness right and it's like you know kind of kind of what you were saying earlier it's like you know we, we were full of emotion and we make a choice and then it changes you know that choice we regret that choice instantly and that's just the i think everybody every human can can relate to that right and it's almost the yeah. most terrifying part and i think when she realizes what kind of happens i remember feeling a sense of like i would almost honestly call it like goosebumps like my, my body just got wow like because I, I know that feeling of saying something i shouldn't have said just because i was in that moment right um so those performances were just incredible so i'm curious like when you're when you're creating the story and, and you're trying to, to kind of direct those moments do you let the actor just take full reign in that or do you kind of want to see it a specific way yeah it, it's, it kind of depends on the actor some you know some actors want a bit more guidance and someone to kind of run with it. I mean, we talked, I think the key thing for us was more like the preparation before getting to set, you know, whether that was long conversations about, you know, what was going through the character's head, the, the motivations, the, the world that we were exploring, the themes that we were exploring, you know, um, so that we felt the act, so that the actors can feel really ready when they come to set. Um, and then, you know, from that point on, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's up to them how, how they, feel they want to be works and I think with the, these actors in particular like obviously with the door with the when you're working with a younger actor um you know it's a little bit more hands-on but they really connect like the casting we're so happy with the casting we felt like they connected so well um so we kind of just let them have fun with it yeah awesome. it's mainly just like I mean I think obviously Chloe is a well-established actress and I mean both just totally brilliant from the start um, so, so much credit to them for like completely like, you know, that was like so key to the, to this particular type of short as well. Yeah. Um, but for us, I think the main thing I remember is just sort of, uh, each scene was sort of giving an indication of what level of like, what level of fear and anxiety she was at. And then the rest is just Chloe being amazing. And uh, yeah. yeah, you were like, you're at a nine now, you're a seven, you're a seven. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, they, they, they were absolutely brilliant to work with and, um, so much fun to kind of see them work. That's the thing when I, I think was in the way me and Nick love to to have our sets is just that you know we, you hire well and you really want everyone to shine and everyone to kind of collaborate and, and bring what they want to bring. Um, so yeah, we felt very confident with them from the beginning. Oh, that's 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 so lovely because you definitely see it on. I think what I loved about this entire anthology series is that everybody, all the films, you can feel the sense of passion and you can feel the sense of fun in every every film and that that's in, yours included as well so oh, yeah it's okay. it's beautiful it's uh, it's also very beautifully shot i mean there's no question about that uh so what i'm curious like how do you capture how do you capture like nature you know what even though it's supposed to be a beautiful thing and, and you capture it so sinisterly how, was that a challenge um yeah, I mean, we we had obviously an amazing DP, uh, JP yeah. Garcia, who was just like incredible awesome. from the start, came with loads of ideas. Um, you know, we had a really fun recce day where we were all just so excited to be in that sort of environment and like how experimental you can be. Um, 
I think, uh, yeah, we decided to use more like steady when we moved into the forest. Like, how do we create those eerie shots? What films do we love? How are they creating it? Like, what is our, like, how are we defining our sort of visual language and style in that space? And um, I think, you know, a lot of stuff was improvised, but we also had to, because of time, we had we had right. quite a few of like those key, like sort of hero shots yeah. that we definitely mapped out um, and that we were yeah. able to. I think key for us was like the turning point in the visual language between like the car scene, like up until when the daughter leaves basically. And then when the mother is alone in the forest, it's almost like she's entering into a new world. So we wanted the way that it was shot to reflect that also for it to feel like she's now entering something else. Um, so yeah, as Nick said, it was getting that. The difference between the sort of more naturalistic shooting in the car to then feeling much more um, steady yeah. and smooth and, and dynamic and then you know as she panics the kind of frenetic nature of it but it it still has that sort of fluid movement yeah and it actually makes me think of uh when you see her walking in the forest almost very alice in wonderland like yeah you know, that was the that was the feeling i got right away like oh we're no longer here you know it's a whole nother plane it's like world. Yeah. yeah yeah so i mean achieving that is it's, it's amazing first off but uh so i am curious because i haven't really asked this question to anybody else so what what does horror mean to you <laughs> this is a good question oh. um i mean i for me, i've always loved horror since i was a kid because anything that gets my heart going that makes me feel something very viscerally uh it's just yeah it's always just been like something that i think it's something that just reaches the audience in a different way and you can explore all the same you know whatever themes you like but you just have it it's elevated by the genre um and yeah it was my first that's why i discovered a love of film is through horror films um, i love that i love that my, mine was sl slightly later than nick i would say like she was definitely much more into horror than i was um and i came i came to it a bit later but I think it was the last few years when I started to see how horror, you know, didn't just have to be what people typically think. And I think even, so now I find myself really defending the genre, like when other people are like, oh, it's just, you know, whatever, jump scares. Like or a very small su like subset of the horror genre, which I also love. I can yeah. do all the cool stuff. I love the hammer stuff. I love the old slashes. Oh, yes. But, you know, yeah. in the same breath as like, the you can now also like subvert those the slasher genre you know like i think also yeah. the fact that a lot more women are behind the camera now as well and, and writing um in this space it's become for me yeah just very exciting and as nick said it's like the best kind of horrors that, i mean not the best horrors but the ones that i really connect to are the ones that they could have been a comedy they could have been a drama but they're in this elevated space and because it's more visceral and you're yeah you're in it more you're actually able to understand those the big concepts that they're exploring even more than if it was just like in a drama um so yeah wow. great great explanations i think horror is like horror means a lot to me as well and for many different reasons i think when you ask that question what horror means it's such an interesting it's such an interesting question because horror means so much for different people right it could even be dealing with depression dealing with very serious matters and, and we see it on a surface level as that person who kills and that's it but that represents such a bigger thing, including like, you know, your guys' film, it represents a bigger idea, right? And I think yeah. that's the magic of horror. And so that magic, you guys achieved it. So thank you guys so much for that. Oh, thank you. Thank yes. you so much. So we do have to wrap up, but thank you guys so much for your time. It was an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Seriously, I can't recommend this movie enough in this series. So thank you. And uh, um, we wish you nothing but success. 
Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you for your questions. Thank of you. Of course. Take care. All right, uh, Uncle Dad and Mike here with Zoe Martinson. Uh, Zoe, how are you? I'm good. Wait, you're Uncle Dead? I'm Uncle Dad. Yeah, that's my name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's 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 my birth name too. Weird, right? <laughs> um, uh, you, you know, the way you said that, Zoe. I'm not almost... killing it with my Amer I'm killing it with an American accent. I know I am. Wait, how you say it? Un Uncle Dad. Well, Oh, Uncle Dad, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but, but it almost, you almost sounded like you said it, Uncle Dead, which would be a great, like, Halloween version of Uncle Dad. I, I thought yes. he said Uncle Dead. <laughs> oh, he did. Okay, perfect. All right, cool. Awesome, awesome. Uh, the rest of the month, you're Uncle Dead, by the way. Oh, I love it. Let's do it. You know, okay. I, you know I'm all about it. All right. Uh, uh, Zoe, uh, so your, your film uh, is one, one of the more impactful of the films on on the lineup for a bite-sized Halloween. So I just kind of want to start off right at the top. What is the journey that leads you to make this film? Well, it started kind of, my brother had been on the jail diversion program. And so what we like to do as artists is sometimes take like the more painful things in our life and turn them into art. And I thought a fun way into that would be through a genre. And so I kind of noticed like his big fear, even though my brother's quite funny, um, but his big fear was like being just erased from society. And so I kind of wanted to explore that. And I thought, oh, thriller horror would be a great way to do that fantasy, um, would be a really fun way to welcome people into this world, but also hopefully introduce them to a system that maybe they haven't heard about and don't know anything about and that could maybe change. Yeah, I, I would say uh, I wasn't sure where it was going and I quickly got it. Uh, that intensity and the level of stress that I felt with, with with the main character, with with that siren from that machine, it was just it. It made me feel like I could feel the stress. So the way that that was put together was was perfect, and that and and, and I've never felt that level of stress in that kind of situation. Um, but I sure now after watching that definitely would not want to. I mean that's horrific in its own sense. Yeah, it can go off at any time <laughs> in the day. Oh. Um, it's real, and uh, they have to get there and blow in it really quickly, and it has to take their picture. So all of that is just taking from real life. <laughs> yeah, so I'll just explain a little bit uh, to our, to the to the people, not to reveal too much, but to our listeners. Uh, in this in the movie Incomplete, there's a, a a breathalyzer machine that the main character has to blow into as soon as it goes off. There's a phone call that comes when he doesn't blow into it in time. There's the ankle monitor. There's 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 all of these ways you have to be where you're supposed to be. And when you're not, I mean, I've had friends who've been in that situation and it's, yeah, it's, it's the level of stress is terrifying. Yeah. So what, what I what I wanted to say about though was that, uh, and, and you can kind of go with me where wherever this is, but uh, the whole thing kind of felt like a representation of the system, right? The, 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 from the house that he's in to the neighborhood that he's in to the obviously there's a cop that comes in, who's played by uh, the the guy who played Gale in Breaking Bad. David, David Constable. <laughs> yeah, so Constable. He's such a great actor, and as so is good. the main 
the main uh, character. Forgive me for not um, remembering Marshall his name. Is, he's amazing too. So good. Um, but yeah, it just it felt like the whole the whole story was was kind of set up to to be like quote unquote the system, right? And how it's just sort of rigged against him, no matter what he's trying to do. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like um, a condensed version of it, right? It's saying, you know, it's kind of exploring the idea of a system that's made to erase you and suck you into it and take kind of away your humanity and how the world outside also sees you in the same way. And the, the world outside sometimes unintentionally becomes the system because they see you're on an ankle monitor and they're like, oh, we must monitor this person. And so like <laughs> the whole thing kind of is there to just erase you out of society and then afterwards you can't even vote you know so like it really is made to kind of suck you in and so um it's it's definitely playing and looking at that and hopefully in this very short time i was trying to kind of play with that from the people outside to inside to the cop and how you can just kind of get caught up in it and get stuck and, and then yeah. unable to escape it i mean yeah well put because it's it's excellently portrayed that way um, there's so many small details I picked up on, you know, there's the, of course, we mentioned the house that he's in, there's a picture of the white family, you know, the, the, the people outside, every time he steps out the door, looks out the window, they stop and stare at him like, what's he doing? And, and it, it does, it feels like, uh, he's, tr he's trying to just be himself in this place that doesn't really find himself that he belongs almost, but actually in a sense he, he does and there's a scene with the with where the cop is in there and there's the the lace doilies and he just assumes that that's not anything that he would be into and he says actually no that's i i i sell these on my etsy and uh <laughs> so so maybe he does belong and it's just that you know i mean it, it on the outside it looks like he doesn't but actually that there's a part of him that 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 is that does belong there yeah, I wanted to kind of like play with people's expectations and, you know, think, okay, well, once they get a piece of information, how can I kind of subvert that information and play with like where we intrinsically will use our own stereotype or our own bias to put on, on somebody like that character. Um, but yeah, it, it was also like a friend of mine was selling these things on Etsy and like got into this long conversation about how much he can sell French lace for, and I was shocked. <laughs> so <laughs> I was just like, what? Um, and, so, and I would never have expected this person to be selling doilies on Etsy. Um, and so it kind of just pulls from my own life of like people are complicated and they're never just one thing. And as much as we want to kind of put people into boxes really quickly because it makes us feel comfortable, it, it also just kind of strips people a little bit of their humanity and their depth. And so it's just kind of playing with that. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's interesting that the most terrifying horror usually is taken from your real life, right? Like it's taken from things that you've experienced or, or whatever it may be. So I, I am curious to, to learn from you. What does horror truly mean to you? My horror is like lack of control. <laughs> um, you know, in a way where it's bigger than just like, oh man, I didn't get this thing, or oh man, I can't make oh, this wow. thing in my favor, right? Or, I, well, obviously I'm a director, so I'm maybe a little type A. <laughs> like, it's, it's more than that. It's like losing my autonomy, losing my ability to do 
to create or losing just control of my life and my freedom, you know? And I think those are the things that really scare me. Um, oh, uh, I, of course, I would be terrified if someone was running after me with a knife, of course. Sure. Sure. I, you know, I would be terrified if my life was in danger, imminent danger. Those are like normal human terrors. But I think intrinsic to me, it's um, the taking away of control of my of being my freedom or just being able to move, you know. So, so I'm curious then, in, in the world of horror film, what horror film has terrified you in that way? I always say the one that scares me the most, well, ring, The Ring and The Conjuring are two of them also because I'm a playwright. So I'm very into story. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I think I love the lore that comes with those conjuring movies and I, and the ring just scared the fuck out of me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, please curse it up. Cause that movie's terrifying. That movie well, is terrifying. I, I, don't even know the story. I couldn't even repeat the story. I was just terrified. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I love story behind. I love, I love when things have story behind. I love all, all of Jordan Peele's work is obviously, of inspirational because it has so much story. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of them. I also love these bite-sized Halloweens. I love delving into each, how different they all are quickly. Yes. Um, I just love being introduced to worlds I haven't seen yet. Um, that's always exciting to me and finding people's fear or finding their terror in places where I just haven't gotten to go is very exciting to me because it feels like I'm watching House Hunters International meets horror. <laughs> I love that yeah. reference. <laughs> That's what I sent out to. Is like House Hunters International. Uh, <laughs> it is. It is fun though to be able to watch uh, the bites, the Hulu bite-sized uh, short films because you get all of these different, you know, views of houses. Let's just use keep using that same reference. But you don't have to sit through a two-hour movie, right? Like it's it's very quick, but also very effective. We have found, yeah, yeah, yeah it's really fun. I mean, even the even the beginning scene where in your film where you don't really know what's going on just yet, but it's very stressful, and it's one of those mornings where when you wake up, nothing is going right, everything is going wrong, and that's what our the main character is starting to deal with. To me, that's like the most horrifying. Uh, situation or a horror movie for me is, is that yeah just like the um, date starts wrong and you're like it's just gonna go bad it's just gonna go from bad to worse yeah you know, uh, go ahead Mike. no go ahead no I, I was just i'm curious you know uh if you had the opportunity to fully flesh this out into a future film would you want to do that yeah i think it started as a much larger idea but then oh, I actually, yeah yeah that I then brought down into a bite size um, and um, and 20th century has been very help digital has been very helpful in kind of getting a, not a I didn't have a full full length script but I had a larger script into a more bite sized script only because there's so much to explore but there's also exposition that has to get out for people to understand what's what's going on um, and so it makes it hard to be just as quick quick. Sure. Um, and so they were very helpful with that. But yeah, I would love to, of course, I would love to explore it in its awesome. entirety and just flesh out the house and the scare and the what in the world and the lore and, you know, it'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I feel like you mentioned Jordan Peele. I feel like that could have easily been one of the, like a Twilight Zone. You know, he did the, his Twilight Zones were so good. I, I feel like that would totally have fit in that in that world, you know. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and, and you've done, you've won many awards. You've had your stuff with HBO, CBS, and, and other places, and now Hulu. What was it like? How does it work when you when you work with, uh, get your work with Hulu? Do you pitch to them or do they come to you? How does that process work? I kind of hunted them down secretly. No, I um, I, <laughs> I have more of a body of work probably that in comedy um, and and fantasy. So I knew that no one was going to be like coming to me for a horror or a thriller. Um, but I had this I like the way I wanted to tell my brother's story was through horror a horror thriller genre, which is kind of a derivative, I feel like a fantasy anyway, because it's just using your crazy imagination. Um, but like, I, so I knew, my friend had told me that they were looking for bite-sized Halloweens and I thought, oh, that's great. So I asked my manager to get in contact with them and like, and see if they'd be interested in just meeting with me and then kind of pitched it through there, through there. So I, I, I came after them. <laughs> Very fitting. <laughs> I watched yeah. them. I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, yeah, got to find them." <laughs> yeah, that's it, it's so awesome when you're, when you're passionate about that project, right? You're gonna do what you can to make that project happen, right? So, and you can and you can see it in, in the overall project product. So, uh, ultimately, I what I want to say is, just thank you so much for making this film. I, I hope that more people watch it. I think I I hope that it gets the traction that it deserves, and truthfully. I think this is one of the few on there that truly could be a live, uh, like a full-length movie. So hopefully we can rally behind you and make that happen. Yeah. And uh, that would just be incredible. Let's do it, yeah. And if you ever need anybody in the background to die, me and Mike will do it for you. <laughs> then you can really be Uncle Dead. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much, Zoe, for your time. We wish you nothing but success. And just thank you again. Wait, I have one. Wait, oh, oh, really? How, so you you mentioned you you had a friend who does this. How much can you make selling doilies? On <laughs> well, you make a lot. Like if you can do French bristol, French lace is very. It has to be done by hand. I found out. Okay. And so it sells for a lot of money, and a lot of people buy it because they want to put it on things. So you make you can make a lot of money selling just like a yard of French lace, but you have to make it. That's the only. Okay. I, I'm looking for a second uh, source of income. So I would say that yeah. if you can make it, I don't yeah. think I could, but you have a solid source right there. Right. Thank you. <laughs> that, what a better way to end it. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Good um, uh, take care. Okay. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.